Welcome to National Transport Podcast, episode 18. My name is Alex, and in this week's episode we'll be looking at Plymouth City Bus named Best Operator in the Country, Cardiff Bus appoints a new Managing Director, Go Ahead cuts carbon emissions as it builds towards its 2035 goal, First Camru have been fined 20,000 over poor punctuality, but Gales buses to improve punctuality after £75,000 fine. And we have an interview with Hayden Sutherland of Open Transport. And of course, we'll have Kieran with the latest in aviation news. So, sit back and relax and enjoy the show. So, let's get on with the show. Plymouth City Bus have been named best bus operator in the country. The city's main bus firm is toasting victory in the National Transport Awards after taking a top gong for 2019. Bus bosses attended the awards ceremony on Thursday evening where they scooped the prestigious industry prize. The awards, supported by the Department of Transport, acknowledged how City Bus had good levels of passenger satisfaction, had modernised its fleet and was supporting the local community. The firm's employee and passenger satisfaction scores have risen to industry-leading levels within the latter, reaching 93% in 2019. Over the past year, the company also increased its spend in the local community by 20%, supporting a number of worthy community projects and charitable causes. The company was shortlisted against four other bus companies from around the UK, the Bus Operator of the Year Award including other go-ahead group operator, Go South Coast, First Glasgow, National Express West Midlands and Stagecoach East Scotland. City Bus Managing Director Richard Stevens says, this is a huge achievement for everyone at Plymouth City Bus. We are officially the best bus operator in the country. I'd like to thank every one of the City Bus team. This award is for them and testament to the hard work over what has been a challenging year at times. After four years of being shortlisted and highly recommended for this award, the win this year demonstrates that our commitment to continually improving our bus operation has paid off. We're really pleased with the work that we're doing and is being recognised as leading the way on the national scale. It's important that transport in the city as the forefront of innovation and this award nomination recognises our work in trying to achieve this. Cardiff Bus appoints new managing director. Cardiff Bus has appointed the former UK and Ireland CEO of DHL Supply Chain as its new managing director. He will begin his role on the 1st of January 2020. Paul Dyer, who hails from South Wales, will replace current MD Sinclair of Bonner, who leaves the business at the end of 2019. Paul said, I'm delighted to be back in Wales and taking the helm at such an important business within the capital. I'm confident that my experience with the transport and logistics sector will be beneficial in tackling the issues faced by Cardiff Bus. I look forward to building on the work that has already been done and I am committed to delivering an efficient and cost-effective bus service to the people of Cardiff and surrounding areas. Chris Lay, chair of the board of Cardiff Bus said, With the bus industry facing challenging times across the UK, we are confident that Paul's impressive track record will enable the company to move forward and thrive. Go Ahead cuts carbon emissions as it builds towards its 2035 goal. Go Ahead says it's on track to cut carbon emissions by 25% in 2021. 2019 saw the operator record its lowest ever carbon emissions per vehicle mile, 
which dropped to just 1.15 kilograms down to one down from 1.28 kilograms last year. Go Ahead says its continued efforts have seen emissions per mile fall by 35% over the past five years, with the business on track to record a 25% three-year reduction in all carbon emissions by 2021, a virtual milestone on the road to zero emissions fleet. It's revealed the figures sustainably report from the year to the 1st July 2018, which showcases Go Ahead's five sustainability strategic priorities, building thriving communities, tackling climate change, raising supply chain sustainability, improving air quality, and boosting inclusion and diversity. The reduction in emissions comes in part thanks to the launch of innovative new services, such as Go Ahead's new geofenced buses, which switch over to zero emissions mode while driving through centre of Brighton. David Brown, Go Ahead Company Chief Executive said, At Go Ahead, we are proud to be part of the solution in providing clean, green public transport for our passengers. This year has seen a number of firsts in innovative new services for passengers, and we're just as excited about 2020 and beyond. Delivering an entirely zero emissions fleet by 2035 is an ambitious goal but it's one that we're fully committed to. Buses and trains are a force for good as societies build towards a more sustainable future, and Go Ahead is proud to be playing its part across the country. Other sustainability achievements highlighted in this report are on target to have nearly 200 electric vehicles by the end of 2020, expanding Go Ahead's fleet of air filtering buses which clean the air as they drive around Southampton, Recognition of Go Ahead as the first transport company to serve, secure the ISO 50001 certification for best practice in energy management after carbon emissions were cut by 30% over 3 years and 70% over 10 years. Completion of a climate change assessment covering the implications of continued environmental deterioration across the business. The launch of the Chatty Bus program, which aims to fight against loneliness and social isolation through specialised support and awareness raising. The continued rollout of demand responsive services in Oxford, London, which cut congestion by deploying buses in response to the immediate needs of the community. And substantial investment in contactless payment systems with 100% of all buses now accepting tap on payments. The group publishes sustainability reports for all subsidiaries operating companies which can be viewed at www.goahead.com forward slash eu forward slash sustainability forward slash report performance and reports html. First Camru find over 20,000 poor punctuality. First Buses Camru Limited has been ordered to pay a £20,600 penalty by the department. Deputy Traffic Commissioner for Wales, Tony Secure, following a public inquiry at Swansea Magistrates Court on the 23rd of October 2019. The company was found to have failed to operate bus services in keeping with registered timetables, with bus users Cameroon reporting reliability issues with four services, the 4, 11, 12 and 13. The operator is required to pay a penalty of £50 per authorised vehicle giving a total penalty of 20600 payable to the Welsh Assembly within 28 days of the decision. The Deputy TC said, My objective is to focus mines so that statutory objectives are achieved, 
and the travelling public achieve a punctual, reliable and comfortable bus service. The cited complaints illustrate the frustrations of the public when services do not run as timetabled, and confidence in public transport is vital if targets to reduce private car usage achieved, alleviate road congestion, boost economic development and reduce environmental damage are to be achieved. The operator previously received two formal warnings from the Traffic Commissioner for Wales. The first was delivered after services 27 and 28 were found to be bus by bus users Cameroo, monitored to be operating with overall punctu punctuality of 67% and 78% in November-December 2018. Following this, on the 4th of April 2019, a formal warning was issued in respect of services 16, L1, L2, L3 and L4, which a monitoring exercise found to be operating with 85% punctuality. The recent action follows a bus monitoring exercise carried out in response to further passenger complaints, while service 4 was found to be performing at with a 91.67% reliability. Services 11, 12 and 13 were found to be operating at a much lower figure of 69.94% punctuality. At the public inquiry, First Cameroon Managing Director Andrew Sherrington referred to the industry-wide technical issues with engines on the right bus streetlight and the suspension on the Alexander Dennis Limited Enviro 200 and 300, stating that the operator had a high reliance on those vehicles in addition he said that the Ravenhill Depot had experienced performance-related issues with engineering department, which had resulted in failings in non-safety-related services of vehicles, and consequences higher in a normal breakdown level. However, the deputy TC noted, the operator should have been aware of the technical issues affecting the fleet and engineering issues at Ravenhill. The longer that known business challenges exist for an operator without resolution in terms of their impact on services, the harder it is to claim that those events amount to ex exceptional circumstances or a reasonable excuse for not meeting punctuality targets. McGill's buses to improve punctuality after £75,000 fine. Scotland bus operator McGill's will strive further to further improve punctuality on its routes, the firm said. The company made the pledge following a fine levied by the Senior Traffic Commission for £75,000. McGill's buses said it was heartened to receive praise from the stakeholders including Bus Users Scotland, DVSA and the Senior Traffic Commissioner but recognised that it must do more to overcome congestion and ensure services run on time. Ralph Roberts, Managing Director of McGill's buses said, Following the review from the Traffic Commissioner, we accept the outcome of this process and which, which was detailed as fair and a full judgement. A number of parties, including Passenger Body Users Scotland and the DVSA, and the Traffic Commissioner confirmed that, the tr that a trust in McGill's as an operator and praised how we dealt with major disruption and how we kept customers informed and recognised our significant investment record. That said, we recognise that a number of our services have experienced issues with punctuality over the last 12 months, and we will strive further to improve the situation in months to come. Congestion and roadworks continues to be a major problem for all bus operators across Scotland, and this has had an impact on passenger numbers which have dropped across the board over the past decade. However, even when our punctuality rate has dipped, we are still achieving performance which outstrips most UK rail companies, including the main rail operator in Scotland. 
As a bus operator, we need to factor in problems we face in the road network and involve our business accordingly. However, we also need help from local authorities to ensure these issues do not discourage investment in our vital services we provide. The fine, which is due to be payable in 28 days, goes to the Scottish Government. And now, without further ado, the interview with Haver Sutherland of Open Transport. Fantastic. Good. Well, it's uh, thanks. I mean, hopefully, going to get this side of the conversation again. So we're. No, we can do that. And actually, since we spoke, things have moved on a little bit as well. So I can, I can share some latest information with you and your listeners. Oh yeah. Yeah. So um, when I think when we last spoke, it was just coming up to the 14th of October, and um, it was um, 14th of October it was a bit, a bit of a momentous day for us, in the fact that it was International Standards Day. Now, International Standards Day um, is just one of those days created for the not for the sake of it, but created for the st- standards community usually to publish things. And we published our version 0.9, our sort of public peer review, uh, open transport specification, uh, was on um, on that on Monday the 14th. Um, that was the the latest version we had, and the one we were most happy about. That was put out to the transport industry for them to metaphorically kick the tyres on. So the open standard was that was describing three core things, the data interchange formats for customer account uh, information regarding tickets or purchases, regarding uh, the actual journeys taken and any concessions or discounts as well. The three basic pieces of information you need to know are usually about a transit or a transport ticket. So uh, we were very, very happy that um, we managed to get that out on the right day and do a little bit of a press fanfare as well. Yes, I did. I didn't get any response from them. Oh. Uh, 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 a shame to a certain extent, but um, I can imagine they're busy. But we have had various other publications have been interested. Um, Digit, which is because we're a sort of originally a Scottish-based consortium or initiative. Uh, Digit are uh, Digit.fyi are a, are a technology online magazine. Um, centred around the, the Scottish industry and we got an article uh, where, written by Moya who uh, works for Ideal Interface who's actually my wife as well she got an article she got interviewed and an article put up to them and that was quite comprehensive but then since then um, I have to say as the weeks have gone on I mean it's about three weeks since we did that now since we were loads where I've, I've been I've had lots and lots of interested phone calls of meetings conversations both face to face and virtually over the last week I have to say my days have been quite busy talking to people um, from I don't know from Los Angeles through to the Netherlands through to um, London and I'm having another face to face conversation in London today um, with other people it's been a lot a lot of positive reception back to what we've done so do you mean? Do you want me to describe to your your listeners what kind of we've done in a nutshell? I'm well aware that sort of um, I haven't really sort of explained. I mean, we've had a previous conversation, but I'm well aware that it's probably needs a little bit of explanation to those who are listening in. Go for it. Fire away. All right. Well, um, the Open Transport Initiative, the Open Transport, was set up 
um, by a, a gang of different people in the transport and transit mobility industries, mainly from Scotland, but as you can hear, I'm originally from, uh, from London. Uh, we were set up because we identified that there was a need to have interoperability between different transport accounts. Now, um, if you can imagine that the, the world is, uh, is gradually moving towards mass platforms, mobility as a service platforms, and everybody's after creating their own platform. Um, just, you know, and, uh, and after actually trying to what we call aggregate different transport providers, so different cities around the world are pulling together bus, train, transport, light transit, railway, um, ferry services or, or boat services and trying to pull them into platforms. But that only goes a certain way towards unifying the experience. And um, what we've noticed was that, I mean, you can't keep doing that because there's lots of private operators or public operators. Basically, the transport world is very, very fragmented regarding the providers or the operators that are working on it. And that's great because it's a, it's a lovely heady mix of public and private transport operators all, all coming together. Now, what we realized was that there was only a certain way that mobility service platforms were getting, there's only a certain amount of sort of inroads that mass providers were going to provide into that market, and they were never going to join everybody up. But one of the team that we were working, because I was part of the team that was working on this ScotRail um, account-based ticketing, account-based travel uh, pilot back a year or so ago, that I was architecting it, and there was project managers and technical people involved in that. And after speaking to the team there, we said, look, isn't there a way that rather than just create a super uber duper platform that everybody has to be part of and this, why, why can't these transport providers just link in more of a, what we call a federated way? One of the team went, what you mean like open banking does? And we were like, well, no, I was aware of open banking, but one of the team went to me and went, you've been working for Clydesdale Bank. And he said, look, the banks now federate and join each other's accounts from the beginning of 2018. So if you've got a Barclays account, you can join it to your HSBC account. And in your Barclays account, you can see both your Barclays and your HSBC information in one account. The two are linked by a sort of sort of association, a federated way. So they don't actually have to be rolled up into a super duper one bank account. In fact, that's the wrong thing. What, we, what you're after then is some sort of way of joining that, that more peer-to-peer -peer level and said yes so we said, said well who's done that said, well there must be somebody who's done a standard that at the peer-to-peer -peer, the federated way links accounts together for transport and we looked and we looked some more and we spoke to a few different people in the industry and they went nope nobody as far as we know does that and, and various people have said well some people are trying it I said well some people are trying to create a, a, a standard for that mass platform and that's great but at the same time, mass platforms have a certain part, but then private operators and different operators coming in and out of the market have a role as well. What about if we could come up with a standard that would join them all together? So we took a page out of Open Banking's book, which incidentally specifies, has, says that, that you just will connect via APIs, but doesn't specify the standard for connecting these APIs together for the banks. But we have created a standard, basically a standard for interoperability between these different transport accounts. Um, and, on, and not just that, this standard is, is an open standard. Well, we're currently creating it and it will be published as an open standard when we get to version 1.0 at the very end of the year. Probably have a bit of a launch party in January to announce it. 
Um, and uh, we're going to basically we're giving it away um, because well there's an old phrase that we've been using is that this has been really needed in the transport industry for years um, if only to make sure that accounts can talk to one another um, and the phrase we've been using is that the Chinese phrase is the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago but the next best time is now so we're actually planting that seed now and hoping that tree will grow and basically by giving this standard out to the transport industry as a whole uh, as an open standard come the end of the year sorry if I've sort of spent too long explaining that but and I've probably used uh, either too simplistic or too complex words in that explanation but hopefully I've in a nutshell spent five minutes and explained it to you so you're, you're facing a lot of success then? Well, we're facing a lot of people interested in it, where this is early days because the standard hasn't been published, finished and published. It's still subject to peer industry review. We're at this version 0.9. Uh, but actually, a lot of people are coming to us. A lot of people who are private uh, mobility as a certain, private sorry, comfort transport operators, and mobility service platform providers, uh, so not the, the not the really big ones. The, the sort of the, the next rung down are coming to us, going, well, what about this? Can we use that? There's vendors in the transport space. People who provide the accounts. People who provide the digital services to different train or bus operators are coming to us, going, can we use this? We're going, yeah. We've been talking to parking companies, parking apps, who say. Does, that, does your standard work for interoperability? Plug, can we plug that into that? We're going, well, we've worked with them and worked through the standard and we think it does. Um, and and it, it's open to, so we're basically, have we got success? Well, nobody has formally yet adopted it because the standard hasn't been published, but we're getting an awful lot of people going, I would be interested about adopting this standard in the future. And we think it's the right standard to adopt in the future. That's perceived. You'd say, you'd say you got more or less than you expected. I think I've got more. I think I've got more quicker than we expected. Um, the amount of uh, people nodding their heads when we present, the amount of people going, doesn't that already exist? Oh my goodness, that doesn't. Um, the more that we've got, um, I think we're happy to say we're, we're, we're quietly happy that we've had so much positive reception to us. We've got a couple of people who've gone, mm, not too sure it works like that. And we've worked with them to say, make sure it either would work in certain circumstances and certain edge cases. But to be honest, I think the whole thing has been far more positively received than we anticipated at the beginning. And, and perhaps uptake and interest has been quicker, a lot more quicker than we expected. So yeah, I think it's been an absolute positive result so far, but still early days. <laughs> oh, oh, positive reception is better than a kick in the teeth, and we haven't had that kick in the teeth. We've just had lots of people, lots of confident uh, gestures, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think, uh, yeah, so I think what, I'm, what I would say is, um, and it's an open invitation um, to any of your listeners, uh, and any one of the listeners who knows other people say, Hey, I think open transport is possibly what we might be looking to adopt later on. I think the way that if anybody is specifying or building a new system or updating their, their online account for transport, a bus, a ferry operator, and they're worried about, I don't know, will it work in the future? 
with any potential mass platforms or would it work if I've got a, a bus and a ferry ticket uh, in the future? Could I possibly link those two? Or they're worried about I don't know, vendor lock-in or whatever sometime in the future and they want to adopt this as a standard so they can sort of create sort of interoperability with other, other sort of systems later on. I would just say, take a look at what we've done on Open Transport at Code UK. Take a look at the standard that we are working towards and hopefully published by the end of the year as version one. And by all means, adopt it. Or if it doesn't meet your needs, tell us why and see if before we get to the point where we ratified it, can we adopt it? Can we adjust it to meet everybody's needs? So really, it's an open invitation to anybody to, to take a look. The URL is opentransport.co.uk. Take a look, please do, and get in contact if it meets your needs and, and adopt away. You heard it here first. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, uh, I, I, I would hope that later on, I mean, your, your listeners would come up and say, oh, I was listening to that, and that sounded like a good idea. We didn't know when we would need it, but six months later, when we were talking about procuring the next version of our platform, we, we looked at it and it was the right thing to do just from a forward-thinking perspective or just because we, we could and therefore and there was no one else or it saved us time in analyzing what we would have to do in the future to integrate to another operator exactly. so, oh. there you go so i guess that, that's that's probably me i mean there's probably a dozen and one questions that everybody has everybody says sort of well Okay, well, I've got. We had one question at the beginning when we were working on this, which was, okay, so I've published, you're publishing this standard, you're working on this standard. This was a few months back we went, yeah. So, how do I know where every other API is in the transport industry? How does one transport provider go off and find another one? Now, looking back at the financial services industry, the way you call up another bank account is you go to what's called this, go to their sort code or you've got their IBAN, their international bank account number in internationally. And every one of those is unique and actually sort codes in the UK are policed at a central level. So we actually went, so is there a lookup table or lookup registry or service that we can go to? It's like the sort code lookup for transport. So if I want to find the API for a particular bus company or for a particular river bus company for their account, is there such a thing? And we were looking around and we're going, no. So as well as having to produce the API that's talking about how accounts, customer accounts interact, we've actually more recently published the uh, what we call the, uh, the operator centralized lookup service so that you can go off to this API and you can, it will point you at the direction of where the API is for each of these different accounts. Now, we were surprised that such a thing, I mean, such a thing exists in the rail industry. There's, there's codes for the rail industry, but there's not such a thing as an API lookup service like that sort code version that banking has. Uh, the closest we found was when we spoke to Los Angeles Department of Transport, LADOT. Uh, they've got their own sort of startup and all uh, part of that. We spoke to some people who, who have been working on that. And they said, yes, we've got a text file that's a reference file for that. And we looked at that and we found that. So, but, so in the end, what we have done is create a centralized API directory lookup service for every transport, transit, mobility provider's uh, API. 
Um, and that actually has huge ramifications for us, for everybody being able to work with each other in the future. So that's a more recent thing we've done, and we're, we're kind of just as proud of what we've done with that, actually. So um, it'd be interesting to, to get some feedback from anybody that wants to take a look at that as well. So I guess, I mean, did you have any other further questions? I mean, I'm well aware that sort of a monopolise your time by talking talking to you rather than more of a dialogue, but sort of hopefully I've covered all bases with that. Yeah, pretty much. Great, mate. Oh, no, I mean, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, I'll be, I mean, uh, I'm well aware. I've, I've, I've just seen you've actually published a more recent version of your, uh, pod, you've done the recent podcast actually in the last couple of days. I haven't had a chance to listen to it, uh, but... Uh, uh, I'm about to download that now and have a listen. Well, every week. You'd get them out weekly now, do you? Yeah, every Friday. That's great. That's good. Well, as I say, if you need if you need anything else, drop me a note. Or if anything's not clear, or you want me to clarify what the URLs are, or where the API spec is, just let me know. I'm more than happy to to go through any of this with you. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Cool. All right. Well, shall I? I mean, I'll, I'll dial off now. But unless, unless you, of course, you get anything else. Not off the top of my head, no. Unless there's anything you want to add. All right. No, absolutely fine. Look, it's great to talk to you. Thanks very much for for some uh, for some podcast time, and uh, hopefully speak to you soon. And you take care. See you later. Just bye. Bye. Many thanks to Hayden from Open Transportation. And that is all we have time for this week. So, as always, you can join us on Twitter at Podcast National, Facebook, National Transport Podcast. You can email us at nationaltransportpodcast at gmail.com. You can visit the website bit.ly forward slash NATTP. Or you can donate to our Patreon at bit.ly forward slash Patreon bus. And now it's over to Kieran with the latest news in the aviation industry. So, I'll see you all next week. Well, hello everyone. It's been a while. Um, obviously, it's uh, nice to be back. Um, obviously, um, the, you've been uh, missing a podcast from me for the last three weeks due to me being on holiday in America. Um, still, I'm back now, uh, feeling very refreshed and feeling ready to dive in and bring you the uh, top stories from the last seven days in aviation. So, uh, without further ado, let's jump straight into what's been going on um a few things been going on this week uh first of all um in um in a previous episode i believe it was the last one i mentioned that it was the uh, birthday of um dubai international airport well sticking with anniversaries and uh loosely relating to dubai international airport actually um the main carrier of the united arab emirates uh, emirates airways are uh, celebrating another um, milestone and uh, anniversary today Be- and that being that uh, 20 years ago today they operated their first flight to Munich International Airport in the south of Germany uh, making the city at the time their second gateway in Germany um, today obviously they, they operate uh, rel- relatively frequently to Germany actually they, oh to Munich at least uh, they operate thrice daily flights into Munich um, including two of those being A380 double deck services 
so yeah, it's it's interesting. It's always interesting to uh, find out the beginnings of, or hear stories about this with the beginnings of Emirates because you look at them now, and Emirates are one of the biggest carriers in the world by flights, uh, by flight numbers and uh, passenger numbers, and uh, they have one of the biggest A3, and they are the biggest operator of A380s in the world as well. Um, but it's it's quite interesting to have a look back. Um, Especially while I've been doing this, there's been a couple of milestones in Emirates histories, and uh, just to see how far they have actually come, because they were quite a small airline when they started. Um, so yeah, sticking with the Middle East, actually. Uh, so yeah, so on to the next thing. Um, I'm going to probably try and rattle these off tonight. Uh, there are a few. We've got around uh, four or five things to get through tonight. Main topics to get through tonight. So, uh, as I said, sticking with the United Arab Emirates, uh, or, well, sticking with the Far East, the Middle East, um, Qatar Airways, obviously the national carrier of Qatar, have announced that they're going to be, that they've uh, signed a code-sharing agreement with India's largest passenger airline, Indigo. Uh, this means um, that they're going to be code-sharing, which means that, uh, which is uh, what BA and American Airlines do. It basically means that you'll be able to buy um, Indigo um, airline tickets on the Qatar Airways website, and you'll also be able to buy connecting tickets um, through that span, both Qatar and Indigo Airlines services. Um, this being, uh, in realistic terms, this means that you could, for example, buy a Qatar Airways, you could use Qatar Airways website to book a straight through flight. Uh, sorry, a straight-through ticket from London Heathrow to Mumbai, for example. Um, but that, with that being uh, spanning Qatar Airways uh, service from London Heathrow to Doha, and then an Indigo flight from, say, Doha to um, Mumbai. I don't know whether Indigo actually operate that route. I'm just, uh, I'm just using that as a, for the sake of argument. Uh, sales um, for the code share flights will go on start from today, November the seventh. Uh, sorry, actually, that will technically be yesterday by the time this goes out, as this will go back out on the morning of the eighth. Uh, so, flights uh, sales for the code share flights started from yesterday, and the first code share flights are due to be operated from the eighteenth of December this year. Um, so again, moving on to the next topic, and of course, actually something that's been in the news, uh, in or out the news, for in some fashion for quite a long time now, which is the uh, the, the grounding worldwide of the Boeing 737 Max. The uh, Boeing Boeing's um, saga in this continues and rumbles on. Uh, the FAA and the EASA, which are the European counterparts of the FAA. Um, have announced this week that they have announced, uh, asked Boeing to revise documentation on the software fix that it has implemented or it is implementing or testing to be implemented uh, on the 737 MAX uh, due to um, the agency's official have flagged a number of issues during a documentation audit of how the new software was developed. 
so this being uh, this unfortunately is further complicating Boeing's best efforts to return the jet to service by the end of this year. Um, that is now looking fairly unlikely. I don't think many of us in the aviation community actually did believe that it would be um, returned to service by the end of this year. However, for now it is looking, uh, especially with this, it is looking uh, less and less likely that it will be um, back into service by the year end. Um, uh, Boeing and regulators will return to Iowa on a, uh, at a yet-to-be-determined date. Uh, they haven't set a date yet, but they will be uh, returning to uh, the test facility in Iowa to complete the audit. Um, and the uh, officials from uh, the auditors do say that um, they think... One of them was quoted as saying, uh, we think there is still some work to be done. Um, and that was a quote by the executive director of the uh, European Aviation Safety Authority, Patrick Kai, uh, talking to Reuters, uh, Reuters London uh, earlier this week. Um, the MAX, of course, having been grounded worldwide since the 13th of March this year, following those two deadly crashes in the Middle East, uh, in the uh, East, uh, one from Lion Air and the other, um, unfortunately, I can't actually remember remember offhand what the other one was uh, there was Lion Air in Indonesia um, yes. Uh, sorry yes so yes so sorry the uh, two well the two uh, crashes deadly crashes that caused the um, worldwide uh, grounding of the 737 MAX earlier this year in March uh, being the Lion Air crash in uh, the Far East and um, the Ethiopian Airways crash in um, Africa. Uh, moving on to the second to last piece of business that we're going to be covering in this podcast, um, Lufthansa. So I um, first of all, we're going to bring you up to strike up to date with strikes now. Uh, the BA pilot strike um, is officially called off. Hey. Um, this is the news that this week, um, uh, Balpa, the uh, British Airways Pilots Union that were coordinating these strikes, have said they are actually backing down in what has been described as an embarrassing climb down uh, by Balpa, and that it says that they are going to take the, um, the pay offer that has been already offered and on the table by Boeing um, being the pay rise of 11% over the next three years. So good news if you're travelling on British Airways, uh, or you pl- or you have, or you uh, plan to in the near future, as uh, all flights will now be operating as normal and as scheduled, as uh, the BA pilot strikes have now been called off officially. Not all airlines, unfortunately, have been this lucky. Um, it has been announced by the cabin crew union UFO uh, that um, there is going to be a cabin strike crew strike of Lufthansa cabin crew. Uh, not entirely sure why the uh, why this cr- why the strike has uh, been called. I don't have the information on that at the moment. Uh, the strike is set to go ahead on the seventh and eighth. Uh, sorry, is due to go ahead today. Actually, uh, today being the second um, the second day of the strikes, Lufthansa have uh, as a result cancelled thirteen hundred flights over the last two days 
So uh, if you are travelling Lufthansa today, uh, please do check on either the Lufthansa website or on the departures board um, on the website of whichever airport you're leaving from just to make sure your plane is actually operating. And uh, the last piece of news in this podcast this evening, um, in a what seems to have been a whirlwind um, few weeks and a month or two for special livery aircraft being rolled out. Um, remember the, um, the uh, Virgin Atlantic Falcon, um, Falcon branded, uh, Star Wars branded 747 uh, that I mentioned to you in a few weeks ago. Uh, well, United Airlines have decided that they want to get in on the bandwagon and they have repainted one of their Boeing 737-800 aircraft uh, in a Star Wars livery. Um, for those of you, I mean, I'm look, I'm actually looking at the picture of it now. It does look quite good. Uh, it's not that detailed. Um, it's not as detailed as some of the Star Wars liveries, like the... Um, the Falcon, for example, from uh, one of Virgin Atlantic 747s, or one of the um, Brazilian carriers uh, 787 Dreamliners uh, that's in the um, that's in a livery of a large stormtrooper. However, you know it is uh, slightly different. It's always nice to see some different liveries on planes and a bit of color, bit of variation in the skies. Um, this one being obviously the skies over America, as I believe, um, with it being a United 737 short medium haul airliner, it is going to be uh, just operating domestic routes in the US. Uh, for those of you who are plane spotters amongst my listeners, um, it is one of United Airlines, uh, United Airways, uh, United Airlines um, Boeing 737 800s, um, and the registration number of it is. N November uh, November three six two seven two. Its first uh, revenue earning service was uh, in the new livery was earlier this afternoon from Houston George Bush Intercontinental Airport in Texas to Orlando in Florida. And uh, that br- I mean um, yeah, and that rather uh, sums it up really. Uh, the end of that uh, piece of news bringing us very nicely to a close and the end of this podcast this week. Do hope you enjoyed the podcast this week. It has been the first, and um, it is glad to be back. I am glad to be back, and it's nice to be back uh, on the podcast after three weeks of uh, rest and recuperation on holiday. Um, once again, do hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I've enjoyed uh, recording everything for you tonight. And um, do hope uh, you tune in for the next one in a week's time. Um, Until then, this is me signing off and uh, have a good week, guys. Thanks.